0: powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the
1: Internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away.
0: Connecting to remote operating room.
1: Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete.
0: The Cox Network. With multi-gig speeds now available, it's Internet
1: built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. Limited availability in select areas. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. You're listening to the Raiders NFL Draft Podcast. Here are your hosts, Bucky Brooks and Rhett Lewis. Well, autumn may have come and gone, but that wind you feel blowing in across the Mojave Desert does represent a change in season. It is draft season. And with that, it's our pleasure now to welcome you to the season premiere of the Raiders NFL Draft Podcast. What's up, everybody? I am Rhett Lewis here with a true NFL Renaissance man himself. Offense, defense and the league, former Raider, former NFL scout, now, of course, media and draft guru. What's up, Buck?
0: Buck what, Brooks. What, what's going on, Rhett? Like This is a very exciting time. We get a chance to join the nation, Raider Nation, talk a little bit about the draft, talk about how it relates to the Las Vegas Raiders and what they could do uh, coming up in April. A very exciting time here.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, and and let, that's where we start right um as we look at this with the raiders very well positioned in terms of draft resources draft capital we're talking about nine total picks first of which comes off in the top 10 at number seven overall so going to be some real big time players big time prospects available there at seven you get uh, multiple picks in the fifth round in the seventh round As you look at that, I mean, that positions you, you know, as you look at this from a front office perspective and from a coaching perspective, a lot of options there, right? High-end players up at the top and then a chance to build depth throughout with that many picks.
0: Yeah, when you think about building your team, you certainly want to make sure that you take care of business in the early rounds and you acquire blue-chip players. When you think about uh, the best teams in the National Football League, the guys taken to the top of the board end up being their stars. But then you also want to make sure that you're able to get uh, some guys on day three that can. Emerge and become big-time playmakers. You think about the um, impact that Max Crosby has had yeah. on this team and what he has been able to do uh, being a dominant player off the edge. You're looking to find some of those guys. And so if you get lucky where well, you take care of business in the early rounds and you find a few gems in those later rounds, you have a time, an opportunity really to engineer a quick turnaround when you think about this season
1: yeah no question and and so that's where the raiders stand right and and as you get into you know what this roster looks like there's obviously still a lot that's going to happen between now and the end of april when we get to kansas city for this 2023 nfl draft but based on what we saw this year from the raiders you know where free agency might land them with guys on expiring contracts Always a good idea, obviously, to bolster what you got up front on both sides of the ball. I feel like that's something we could see as a theme in this draft. Quarterback, you know, obviously is is something to look at there, especially positioned at the number seven overall pick. Um, Where do you see and kind of identify some of the Raiders' draft needs here? Well,
0: I think the the number one thing when when you're building your team and as you're looking at your team as it relates to the division, because the first thing you want to do is make sure that your team can win the division. Well, Kansas City is the team that everyone is chasing, and when you look at their team as How can you get around the quarterback? And so you think about up front, uh, defensive tackles that have pass rush ability, more edge guys uh, that can get to the quarterback. Those are always priorities. But also – on the outside, being able to have enough cornerbacks to match the yeah. receivers that are in this this division. Um, do you have enough guys that can play one-on-one coverage so you can give your defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, the flexibility to play man or zone, to do some different things uh, to throw at the quarterbacks that are in this division? Um, I think there are a lot of pieces and a lot of intriguing uh, prospects in those positions, but then also on the offensive side of the ball whatever happens at quarterback, sure. do you get one in free agency, do you trade for one, do you acquire one in the draft, those things we kind of set how the dominoes fall when it looks at the offensive part, but you never can go wrong adding pieces to the offensive line and you never can go wrong adding playmakers where they're running back or wide receiver to the puzzle.
1: Yeah, and and here's the thing, you know, th- this Raiders, you know, draft evaluation team is Evaluating quarterbacks every year, no matter what, right? You know, and so now, you know, with Derek Carr saying his goodbyes and positioned up there into the top ten, obviously it, it feels like it could have a different type of emphasis, a different type of importance this year, but you're always going to look at that at those quarterbacks no matter what ends up happening with your own quarterback situation. So let's do that now. I mean, because the top five quarterbacks in this we're gonna see more than one go in the first round, which of course is all that we saw a year ago with Kenny Pickett ending up in Pittsburgh with the Steelers. So when we look at top five quarterbacks, man, the top three kind of feel in in whatever order you have them. It feels like we know the names of the top three Bryce Young out of Alabama, CJ Stroud out of Ohio State, Will Levis out of Kentucky. The way I got it, Bucky, is Bryce Young at the top, C.J. Stroud in there at number 2, Will Levis in at number 3. We'll get to 4 and 5 here in a second, but let's start there with how you see those guys shaking out.
0: That conversation is going to be a fascinating conversation, yeah. and it's one of those that uh, you and I will talk about, do you want the performer or do you want the prototype? The performer is Bryce Young, because when you think about Bryce Young winning a Heisman Trophy, the way that he plays the game is exactly how... The overwhelming majority of offensive coordinators would like their quarterback to operate. He can deal from the pocket. He has great instincts and awareness, throws with touch, timing, and anticipation. We've seen him perform at a high level in the clutch throughout his career at Alabama. The elephant in the room when it comes to discussing him as a prospect, though, is he's right at six foot. He's 185 pounds. Those dimensions are not the ideal dimensions that you look for at the position in this league. Doesn't mean that he can't play, but we're the draft part, and and, and part of the draft is the beauty pageant. Does he check off all the boxes and those things? That is the part of Bryce Young that he can't change. He can't get taller. He can maybe Maybe add a few pounds. pounds, But but, the frame is the frame, and, you know, you have to weigh – how he plays with how he looks and will durability be a factor for him as he gets into his NFL career
1: you love the ability to create and I think that's something that we talk about a lot certainly in this division here in the AFC West with what Patrick Mahomes does you know in Kansas City and everyone's trying to find quarterbacks that can get themselves out of trouble uh, that can you know when the play doesn't work out as scripted how do you make a playoff schedule you know everyone's always looking for those types of values in a quarterback that type of skill set in a quarterback especially in today's league, seeing the success of the young quarterbacks, Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, even Joe Burrow's got yes. some athleticism that people probably does not get enough credit for. Justin Herbert, you know, can make plays on the run, too, in this AFC West division. So you see those types of traits, and that, those are things that Bryce Young has. Um, he's got that mobility, but you don't want that mobility to turn into an issue in terms of durability, down the stretch there, which is what teams are going to have to figure out.
0: Uh, Yeah, and it's hard. And it's sometimes hard for smaller quarterbacks to play all 17 games, to be available, and to do those things. As great as Bryce Young is, you do worry will he be able to withstand the pounding if he's a guy that takes a number of sacks in the league? Uh, If he has to get out on the edge and maybe he's unable to slide, and if he does get battered a little bit, will he be able to get up and go back to the huddle and be your franchise quarterback? Because one of the traits that you talk about for your franchise quarterback is availability. The best quarterbacks in this league are always there for their team. And so when you're looking at Bryce and you're going through the evaluation and you're looking at the size – and you wonder, is he going to be durable enough to be those guy, one of those quarterbacks yeah. that we think? Not only is he week one, is he going to be available in week 18 when you really need him down the stretch?
1: And look, when he's on the field, he's magic. I mean, he is, he is just—he a playmaking quarterback. He's got phenomenal ball placement. I think we've seen that uh, all over the place. He's got great vision. He's got great awareness of what's happening, of where the rush is. I think back to the game against Tennessee, uh, he's making a play late game. This is mm-hmm. fourth quarter. Uh, he sees ru- he sees the rush coming. He steps, eludes a guy in the pocket, steps up, eyes stay downfield, and he's able to hit a wide-open running back out of the backfield for a huge gain in what was one of the best games of the college football season. So he's got all that in spades.
0: He, he has all of that stuff, yeah. and, and this is the thing that it, it makes it such a hotly contested debate. In meeting rooms, yeah, he does everything that you want to see the quarterback do. Um, we've been around quarterback gurus who who've sure. talked about it. Hey, the number one things that you talk about are decision making and accuracy. Well, check, check. He has that. Uh, when you see him in late game situations, when they're asking him to run a two minute drill and they're Think behind back to the
1: Texas game, he
0: he does all with those his things. Legs, yeah. I mean, he has a, a bunch of examples where he's been able to do that. There have been games where he's played elite competition. And he's been the best guy on the field. Yeah. The one thing that you always will come back to is, is he big enough? Is he durable enough? Does our grading system allow us to take a guy who's not necessarily the prototype at the position near the top of the charts. Right. That will be the question that everyone has for Bryce Young during this process.
1: And then the question that evalu- evaluators want to ask themselves, all right, what's our grade on, on Bryce Young? What's our grade on CJ Stroud and maybe Will Levis, you know, mm-hmm. if that's if that's where they're at? How close are they? And if they're that close, then do we decide to take the guy with the more prototypical size? Profile, which of course is what C.J. Stroud fits. It's what Will Levis is as well. Now, C.J. Stroud, an interesting case there at Ohio State. I Saw him in person a number of times. I mean, can absolutely spin it mm-hmm. with the best of them. He's got it—you know, a huge arm, great accuracy. I think it was coached well by Ryan Day at Ohio State. Understands a lot, of, a lot of you know high-level concepts, uh, but also played with some of the best wide receivers we've ever seen in sure. college football. The thing that I love the bottom is best tape, like of his entire career. Mm-hmm might have been his last tape, and that was against Georgia. Very good defense in the college football playoffs.
0: Yeah, never underestimate the impact of the lasting impression. Everyone had an opportunity to see that game. That was a marquee game, Ohio State versus Georgia. Uh, many didn't give Ohio State an opportunity, a chance, to be able to knock off Georgia. Yeah. And you saw a dogfight. You saw him play his best game on that big stage. And as an evaluator, a lot of times you're looking for those games. You're looking at rivalry games. You're looking at conference championship games, Uh College football playoff games, because that's as close as it gets to NFL competition in terms of the intensity, the scrutiny, and all of the pressure that is around that game. And he played his best. And not only did we see him play his best in terms of throwing – we saw the athleticism that he's got it. He he hadn't really shown that throughout his time at Ohio State, it, really. Yeah, and That's so now thing. he he shows that, and and so now you look at him differently. And then when you go back and you look at the dimensions, 6'4", and some change, yeah, uh, two hundred twenty pounds. Mm-hmm. You you can see him grow, and you say, yeah. okay, he can grow and become that big body playmaker that we want at the position. And then the final part of it is when you go back and you discuss his leadership ability and how. It was gut-wrenching for him to make a decision whether to leave Ohio State or to stay around the with his day. people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he really... Cares about ball, but he really is all in. And when you think about the franchise quarterback, it's not just the physical tools; it's the intangibles. Does he have the intangibles uh, yeah. to elevate those around him? He has shown that throughout his career.
1: I think I, the one thing that I'll take away from it is you know hearing him talk about the game, hearing about how much not winning that game and coming that close really hurt. You know, you could see that, you could feel it. I mean, and that that sense of competitiveness, you know, with him, um, really kind of struck me in that moment, and uh, really liked it. Really enjoyed it and loved watching him play and uh, a ton of fun we'll be talking about uh, his number one receiver from this year and next year's Raiders NFL Draft podcast uh, with Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, we'll get to that here in in a little while right so then there's Will Levis and I think you know people want to call him the next Josh Allen Mm -hmm. because he's he's built so I mean very physically mature build right he's got a huge arm I thought his 2021 season and his 2021 tape was better this year mm-hmm. with an NFL offensive coordinator and Liam Cohen running the show at Kentucky. Liam then leaves before this year to go back to L.A. Now he's back in Kentucky, but that's a different story. Um, And so I thought, you know, Will didn't have as much success this year and as much growth as maybe you'd want him to see. Um, You know, I I think that could be attributed to the change in systems and the playmakers were gone. Wandale Robinson was Mm -hmm. gone. He lost a bunch of NFL offensive linemen. Um, So, you know, I I think that has to be factored into where do you stand on Levis? Where do you put him in this class?
0: He's the biggest wild card in the draft. And the reason why he's the biggest wild card is because you just don't know what he's going to be at the next level. And it is very similar to the Josh Allen evaluation. If you go back and think about Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming, uh, the completion rate wasn't there. Uh, The touchdown to interception ratio was okay, but it wasn't spectacular compared to some of the other quarterbacks in the class. And you didn't know if he was going to be able to figure it out at the next level. Well, Will Levis features some of those same traits and you don't uh, know if he's a polished product, but Sometimes when you're looking at quarterbacks, you have to have a, a level of imagination and creativity to think about what they could be if we surround them with the right stuff. So we get the right support and cast around them if we put them in an offense that plays to his strengths. Maybe it's one where we put him on the move. We ask him to run around and do some of those things. So his evaluation will be, I would say, a collaborative effort between the front office and the coaching staff to see here's where he is Where could he be in a couple of years if we fully support him and get behind him and develop him at a rapid rate? Could he be one of those top quarterbacks like we're seeing Josh Allen that brings special skills, special ability to elevate and raise the fortunes of the franchise?
1: And look, you could see all three of those guys come off the board in, let's say, the top seven picks. By the way, we are going to, before this episode is over, we're going to give you our first little mock draft Ooh. taste little mock draft teaser we're going to mock the first 7 picks of this draft ending with the Raiders first round selection at number 7 if that's uh, and ends up being where where everybody slots out uh, you know come draft obviously a lot can change with trades and all that but that's where it stands right now so we'll do that for you coming up let's finish out these top 5 quarterbacks here i'll just give you my final 2 you give me your final 2 at 4 and 5 and see where we go from there i went with Anthony Richardson out of Florida I think the prospect of his potential is going to be too much for teams to pass up on a phenomenal athlete. He has shown us at times that he can make the throws that you want to see an NFL quarterback make, make the reads that an NFL quarterback has to make. I don't know if we saw it as consistently as you'd like to see, to feel comfortable uh, with him in the top three conversation. Great athlete, great kid got to spend some time around him this summer. And then at five, and I think I'd have had him higher, if not for the injury, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Um, really intriguing offense that he ran. They used every inch of grass uh, with Josh Heupel's system. Um, you know, it is a spread spread out, wide open, wide receivers all over the place. He operated that system to a T. Talking about a kid who threw only five interceptions, places a real emphasis on ball security. Understands what Josh Heupel and that offense wanted to accomplish at Tennessee and did it with tremendous effect. So uh, really... and, and an A one type of leader and dude, which I don't think you know we can talk. We can hammer home enough. Like that is a huge quality for quarterbacks who are going to be the fran- face of the franchise here, Buck. And to me, he wins in that category. So those he, are my four and five.
0: Yeah, he absolutely wins. So let's talk about Hooker first, because uh, I think Hooker could be aided by the success that Jalen Hurts has had sure. in the National Football League. Not because stylistically they're the same, but because of the dude factor that you mentioned. When you think about Jalen Hurts taking over the city of Philly and leading that team to a Super Bowl, when you look down at Hidden Hook and you look at what he was able to do at Tennessee – This is a Tennessee team that was right on the cusp of being a college football playoff team. I don't think anybody envisioned that. And a lot of it was due to Hooker's ability to make plays, to play well on the big stage, to handle the moment really well, and to inspire his team with his production and performance. But also, his ability just to say, hey, I'm the dude. We're going to go this way, and the leadership skills certainly mattered. And so he is going to be in the conversation. I know you have to vet out what is going on with the knee, uh, where he's progressing, when he would be expected to return to field in action. Are there any complications with that? But he's absolutely a top prospect. And then A.R., Anthony Richardson, like, here's the deal. What we talk about with Will Levis in terms of just the physical dimensions that you're looking for the position – This kid is special. He's a freak show when it comes to the athleticism and arm talent that he displays. He hasn't been able to put it together on the field in terms of the completion rate and the numbers, but just the raw ability. Man, if you're looking for someone to work with who is kind of like that ball of clay that you can kind of shape and fashion into the prospect that you want to have at that quarterback position— He is that, and so as we get closer to the draft and we're beginning to connect the dots and put the pieces of the puzzle together, he is a guy that you certainly want to keep an eye on because he's special, and the way Lamar Jackson took over the league, he certainly has some of those traits, and he flashes those skills. He'll be a very interesting one to continue to study as we go through this.
1: And here's just one final story on on Hendon Hooker. So... As a Tennessee quarterback, virtually guaranteed an invite to the Manning Passing Academy, uh, where Pate Manning is obviously one of the lead dogs, along with his brother Eli and dad Archie and, and brother Cooper. So, Hinden uh, Hooker gets the invite to come to the Manning Passing Academy this summer in Thibodeau, Louisiana. Um, obviously says yes, accepts, is ready to come. The morning he is set to leave, he's running through a 7-on-7 kind of workout with his guys in Knoxville. And they're, they're working like a jet sweep type of situation, right, where you got a you know, receiver mm-hmm. coming in is going to take a handoff. Freshman receiver oh. is running this particular play with Hinden Hooker at quarterback. Hinden turns around, and they hadn't done it a lot, right? And so the freshman collides with him. Bone bruise in his shoulder, oh. totally messes up his mouth. He's got to have dental procedures. He's got to have stitches all over his mouth. He can't talk. He can't eat. He can barely drink water dude Still showed up later that day to, to Manning wow. Pass Academy. Wanted to honor his commitment. It was important to him. Obviously, as a person from Tennessee, it was even more important to him to be there, uh, to be a representative of, you know, Peyton Manning's university there at Tennessee. But I just thought that was really cool as a guy who could have easily said, yeah, you know what? That ain't for me. I mean, guy couldn't eat anything all week.
0: Yeah, no, that, sucking down smoothies. Yeah, so you talk about the right guy, the yeah. deep factor, being able to show up for your teammates when they need you to be there, honoring that commitment, yeah. meaning that uh, when we have those days off on Tuesdays, no, he's still going to show he's up for be the yeah. because that's the expectation of a franchise quarterback. Uh, as those stories begin to come out about him, it's only going to enhance his value as a marquee quarterback.
1: Yeah, I talked to him uh, last week, actually, and was telling me that uh, you know he's been off crutches now for a little while, the knee's feeling a lot better after suffering that late-season ACL injury, um, which was just terribly unfortunate and, and would probably be much more talked about in terms of the bigger draft conversation, if not for the injury. So let's see where it ends up for him. Uh, certainly wish him all the best. Really good kid, really good player. Uh, Alright, so quarterbacks kind of dominate the draft conversation, but it's not always where the biggest draft value are Bucky. So when we look at this draft class as a whole, you know one per, one particular position that you know perhaps the Raiders could have their eyes on here, the cornerback spot. You're going to see come off the board early and often in the first round and on day two as well. Um, you're, you know you're talking about uh, you're talking about guys like Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr., um, uh, Devin Witherspoon, Keeley Ringo, Cam Smith. Like we might have five six guys go in the f- first round. Do you feel like cornerback is one of those positions that is as deep as we've seen in the landscape of this total draft class?
0: Yeah, I think it's a very deep position, and it's deep because you have – what co- defensive coordinators covered on, on the perimeter. Yeah. Right now you're seeing bigger, faster, stronger wide receivers take over. You're seeing guys that can make plays with the ball in their hands, catching these short passes, turn them into big gains. And so what you're looking for on the island now are guys that are basically decathletes. Um, yeah. They're big, they're tall, they can line up nose-to-nose and play press, man, yet they're nimble enough and have enough agility to play off in shadow in space. They have the instincts and awareness to be able to play in zone and understand what they're doing, what their assignment, alignment, and adjustment could be with motion and those things. This draft has all of that. You mentioned some of those guys, Christian Gonzalez, who's yeah. a ball magnet. Oregon, uh, Joy Joy Porter Jr. You know the name from Penn State. Yes, the son of uh, Peasy, the instigator from the yes. Pittsburgh uh, stiller. So. There are plenty of guys there, but there are also other guys. Like there are guys that played in national championship games. Kelly Ringo, Ringo. Yeah.
1: Who, big you know, corner, six. Big corner,
0: straight line, uh, can line up and, and, and take it. And and so Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, who people are really excited about because he has a complete tool set. He's fast, he's athletic, yeah. he has instincts, he's tough. So many corners. We talked about in the first round, maybe five, six yeah. guys that their names would be discussed as possible first-round picks, but it gets even better when you get into the second and third rounds.
1: Yeah, and so real deep, and it's kind of as deep, um, you know, kind of similarly to the depth that we talked about with the receiver class for the last two or three years. You know, you've had really, you know, top-notch wideouts available rounds one, two, three. We're seeing 20 to 30 guys come off the board at the wideout spot in those first three, four rounds these last couple of years. That may not be the case this year, you know, where we had a a couple top-ten guys last year, Garrett Wilson with the Jets. I don't know that we're going to see a top 10 wide receiver this no. year, Buck. So that one, on the flip side, might be you know one that's a little bit further down in terms of value.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's different this year with the wide receiver class because there's not the Jamar Chase, right. uh, the Devonta Smith right. in the class where someone you can say, hey, this guy's going to come in and be a star. Even like Justin Jefferson and what Justin Jefferson has been able to do. They're really good players. I don't know if there's a great player that you ha- I must have. I have to get these guys. And... Let's be honest. We've seen the success of the second and third rounders Yeah, uh, impact. I mean, right here in Las Vegas, Devontae Adams was a second-round second pick run, yeah. that has become the best wide receiver. Hunter Renfro, football. day
1: three. Hunter yeah.
0: Renfro, another guy that, is, that has come. This is a position, wide receiver, is one where really fit and scheme matters. And so which guys have the skills that fit how you want to play? That's what the Raider staff, Josh McDaniels and company, that's what they have to determine, which guys – can play the way that we want to play as this obvious evolves in year
1: two. Right. I think that's going to be obviously crucial because, you know, as we were talking about quarterbacks before, fit, play caller, playmakers, all of that stuff factors in and weighs so heavily into a quarterback prospect's ultimate success as a player once they get uh, to the NFL. And it's the same with every position, but it's certainly a little bit more uh, impactful from the quarterback spot. Um, Alright, so we've worked our way kind of through the top five quarterbacks in this class. We're going to do that with you each and every episode for the next eight or so weeks, as we get closer to the draft, give you kind of a an overview of the top prospects at each position. Some guys that the Raiders could be interested in, uh, of course. But you know, thinking about the receivers, you know, when the Raiders come back in the second round, might be an opportunity to find another really high caliber player mm. that might have gone, you know, let's say in the first round, you know, a year ago. Um, but maybe you get still a player at the top of the class when you come back around in the second round or the third round. You know, which maybe that's where you find the value for the wide receivers in this. Year's draft. So I think that, you know, that's always kind of interesting to see how that strategy uh, works out. So, busy week here in Las Vegas. Um, You know, obviously, here with everything going on at Allegiant Stadium with the Pro Bowl and the reimagined Pro Bowl, now a flag football game, all of the different events uh, just outside the walls of this great podcast studio here. Uh, The indoor facility here in Henderson has been kind of converted to the kick tack toe venue for (laughs) one of the skills challenges. So, they got Pro Bowl going on also got the East-West Shrine Bowl happening here, all as a part of Pro Bowl week. In fact, Shrine Bowl, um, the only tackle football game uh, here this week. And so we're really excited about some of the best prospects and best players from the college football seasons uh, past and now kind of trying to get their first real tutelage under NFL head coaches. We have full NFL staffs here working with these East-West Shrine Bowl players, which is such a great opportunity. And so now they have an opportunity to kind of showcase their skills, and it's a really unique way to make an impression on NFL evaluators. Obviously, with the teams that are coaching you, Patriots and Falcons coaching staffs are here. But also every evaluator is watching this tape. Every scout's watching this tape, these practices. So give us a sense, Bucky, as a guy who played in the Senior Bowl coming out of uh, UNC, like what All-Star Game season really means for the players and then also for the teams.
0: Yeah, this is a huge opportunity for all of these guys that are on this roster to have an opportunity to play in the East-West Shrine Bowl. When you think about this chance, this is a chance for you to play outside of your normal system, yeah. to play for pro coaching, to play in a pro-style system where people can project how you could play at the next level. So from a player standpoint, it is a huge opportunity to put some of the things from your collegiate career behind and start thinking about the next level. Learn, implement uh, some of those things and techniques that you you are going to need at the next level. From an evaluation standpoint, this is perfect because these all-star games, East West Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl, These are best-on-best events. Yes. Meaning you have the best players in the country going head-to-head, toe-to-toe against the other elites. And so you have an opportunity to kind of separate them from the pack, which guys show up on the big stage, which guys are able to really settle in, learn a new system, and perform at a high level. Uh, When you have – Guys, and we talk about this, cluster busters, guys that are similarly graded. Okay, so now we get a chance to see all of these guys perform back-to-back-to-back-to-back if they're in the same game. We can look at the tapes and say, hey, well, this guy fits us better because of the tools that he has in his toolbox. This is a terrific opportunity to take the regular season at the All-Star Games, see how they perform there, take that with the combine, the interviews and the workouts and put all of it together to really make a comprehensive profile so when it comes time to make decisions – you make good decisions based on the guys that fit your program best.
1: And there are always guys that stand out. I mean, by the way, this game, the East-West Shrine Bowl produced Brock Purdy, right? Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. who quarterbacked the San Francisco 49ers into the NFC Championship game. Obviously unfortunate how that all ended. Um, But like, there are big-time players that come from this game. Isaiah Pacheco is over there with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, So you know, it's very important that the players that are here obviously understand you know the microscope that they're under and that every move is getting evaluated. And so we We've been doing some evaluations of ourselves. We're going to call the game for NFL Network at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday night from Allegiant Stadium, home of the Raiders. Uh, And so I'll just give you a couple. I'm going to pick out Mm -hmm. three guys that I thought um, really kind of impressed me with the caveat that I think for both of us, the top player at this this game is Zay Flowers from Boston College. Wide receiver, really, really good player. Might be a first-round pick. However, he only really practiced for one day. Kind of all he needed to do, um, you know, is interviewing the teams, is being a part of the whole process, but he was going to do that one practice. He's not going to play the game. So like, he's, he's going to be the first guy drafted from this game.
0: Oh, he absolutely is. You yeah. cast me out. When you, yeah. you're looking for wide receivers, you're looking for guys that can run routes, that can make plays uh, in terms of catching the ball over the middle, catch and run prowess in terms of yeah. big playability, turns short passes into big games. Zay Flowers is that. Looks like he might be ideally suited to play in the slot, but his skill set transcends. He's going to be a great pro. Sure.
1: Uh, Okay, so I'll give you three guys here. And, um, you know, I thought this was kind of interesting from the quarterback group. You know, these all-star games also give us an opportunity to familiarize ourselves with players and prospects that we didn't get a chance to really see in person or didn't get to see a lot because maybe they weren't on TV a lot. How about from Fordham University Tim DeMorat, a quarterback who threw 56 touchdown passes this year in the Patriot League as a three-time Patriot League offensive player of the year, dominated at that level of competition, which of course is what you want to see as an evaluator. You click on that tape, you want to you want to know who that dude is that you're going to watch. You want him to jump out at you. So Tim, I thought, had a nice week. I think he's an interesting story. Um, Jake Bobo, wide receiver from mm-hmm. UCLA, is a guy that I could actually kind of see fitting in here with the Raiders a little Bit too kind of a bigger physical frame of a wide receiver. How fast is he going to run? Might depend on you know where he ultimately ends up getting drafted. Uh, but I think he comes from a great football family. Uh, he's got he's got a great background. He's just a high character dude, and uh, I think he's a, a really good player at the next level. And then here's another one that might be interesting for the Raiders too. Um, talking about Catrell Clark from Louisville, mm-hmm. maybe one of the best nickelbacks, slot cornerbacks in this entire draft class has been making plays nonstop out here in Vegas. The
0: he has been making plays nonstop. Had an opportunity to talk uh, to Frank Bush, who is the defense coordinator for his squad, and he talked about Clark displaying the really? high IQ, the versatility, uh, the instincts to play in the slot. He might be the best nickel that we, when we come time to look at all yeah. the nickelbacks in the draft, he will be one of the top ones that can go in and make an instant impact. Um, when you think about other guys who will be intriguing, um, I'm sitting here thinking, and Justin, uh, Mr. Davis's legacy. You always talk about the freak athletes. Well, how about yes. B.J. Thompson? Let's go. Uh, Stephen F. Austin, Lumberjack, a guy who is going to uh, absolutely uh, blow up uh, the combine or his workouts when he has an opportunity. This is a guy is going to run fast. He can jump yeah. out of the gym. He comes off the edge. He has production as a pass rusher. And when you think about in this league, guys that get to the quarterback, certainly they get paid success. And so he's one with just the tools to, to have an opportunity to be uh, a solid pass rusher in this league, in this game.
1: There you go. So that's just a few of the names, and there's going to be some more that pop on Thursday night uh, at Allegiant Stadium, so looking forward to that opportunity. And uh, this is, to, again, all-star games are important, but they are just one piece of the gumbo pot of draft of prospect evaluation, right? Combine, pro days, but game tape, obviously, rule, rule, uh, rule, uh, reigns supreme, and will with all these guys as well. All right, with that... It's a little mock draft. I have a little mock draft okay. here. I'm going right. to line it up for us. We're okay, going to run seven picks. Okay, seven okay. picks. Top so seven. we're going to start with the Bears who are at number one. I'm going to have you do all the odds. I'm going to do the evens, and then we'll both give a Raiders pick. Okay? Ooh, okay. So I'm going to go Texans at two, Colts at four, Lions at six. You give me Bears at one, Cardinals at three, Seahawks at five, and then we'll both give a Raiders pick at seven. Ooh, okay. All right? So with the number one pick... In the 2023 NFL draft, assuming that the Chicago Bears do not trade that with a team maybe looking to go up and get a quarterback at number 1, yeah. who are they taking at 1?
0: Uh, they're going to take Will Anderson, edge rusher from Alabama. And this one makes perfect sense when you think about Matt Iberfluss yep. and how they like to play. They want to sit back in zone. They want to rush for, and Will Anderson is a guy. I mean, this is the guy That's that a guy that is— all the athleticism, great first step quickness, a proven track record of success in terms of knocking quarterbacks down. He is elite in everything that he brings to the table. That's why I think he'd be the number one overall
1: pick. And so at number two with the Houston Texans, who moved to number two in the last week of the season, they still get the guy that they probably would have (laughs) taken at number one overall, which is the quarterback from Alabama, Bryce Young. And look, I think, um, you know, depending on what happens with their head coaching situation, I think you're going to want to get a quarterback to come in there. You get new head coach, new quarterback coming in, kind of a new wave for the Houston Texans. I think uh, uh, Bryce Young is a guy that can be like a a real lightning rod for that franchise and generating excitement. So I'm going to go with Bryce Young at two, who you got at number three for the Arizona Cardinals.
0: Okay, so the top pass rusher is Will Anderson, but maybe the top defender will be Jalen Carter from Georgia. Defensive tackle. Just a freak show. Uh, athleticism, size, strong at the point of attack, has versatility. You know, and then what's funny, a defense that you looked at that has so many first round picks come from it. Georgia. Mm. But when you looked at the tape last year, Jalen Carter was the guy that caught your eye. And he's certainly worthy of being a dominant player uh, that is taken in the top three. That's why I have him going to the Arizona Cardinals.
1: Okay, and then at number four, another team in need of quarterback play. Uh, The Indianapolis Colts, who just have have gone year after year trying to put a Band-Aid on the quarterback position. I think this is the year they finally get it done. Maybe I'll throw a little wild card. In here at number four, Will Levis from the University of Kentucky, wow, bringing uh, you know a little bit of pizzazz to the quarterback position that hadn't seen that type of mobility, um, you know, really since the Andrew Luck heyday, right Mm -hmm. when he was you know maybe showcasing that mobility a little too much, uh, right? But I think the Colts go quarterback here, and let's just say that you know for the purposes of having a little fun uh, here on January 31st at a mock draft, let's make it Will Levis. So that brings us to the Seattle Seahawks at number five.
0: So this will be tough for the Seattle Seahawks because even though Geno Smith had an outstanding year, you certainly have to... Kind of explore the quarterback situation. But I'm going to say that Pete Carroll feels great about Geno Smith, and I'm going to say they go and get a pass rusher. How about Tyree Wilson, edge defender from Texas Tech? They have been lacking someone that can give them double-digit sacks off the edge. They've been looking for it. They've tried draft picks or whatever. But knowing Pete Carroll, he's going to keep throwing darts until he lands on one. Tyree Wilson is a guy that certainly has the athleticism, speed, big-time player. He's awesome. Terrific he player
1: from the Big 12. Closes, too. He gets this. He provides a lot of pressure, but gets home to the quarterback quite a bit uh, as well. So there you go. Let's just recap the top five. At number one, Chicago Bears take Will Anderson. Two, the Texans take Bryce Young. Three, the Cardinals take uh, Jalen Carter. At four, the Indianapolis Colts take Will Levis. At five, the Seahawks take Tyree Wilson. So back to me at number six for the Detroit Lions, who hit one out of the park with Aiden Hutchinson at number two overall. I'm going to say they go back to the well, Ooh. the edge rusher well, and they oh. go to Clemson, and they get Miles Murphy.
0: Oh, uh, okay. And so
1: now you've got bookends. You throw James Houston in there as a situational pass rusher as well who was really good as a rookie for Detroit. And you got a defense that can get after the QB. So there we go at six, another edge rusher off the board, back-to-back picks. So then that, that brings us to the Raiders,
0: and here, so, and, so and, it's, and it was it was clever by design, like what you did, because what you did, you really put me in a bind. So now I'm sitting here, <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm at seven. Uh, we have uh, an opportunity, maybe regardless of what we do at quarterback, we have Jared Stidham who showed that he could play a little bit at yep. the end of the year, but man, we got a chance to look at C.J. Stroud and say, we can take a franchise a quarterback. prototypical passer. And so, he is there, but we're going to put an asterisk by C.J. Stroud, because what if we acquire a quarterback in the Sh- offseason sure, to do it? It, it, yeah. it could change everything, and so, I'm going to go C.J. Stroud at seven, if he's there saying that a quarterback hasn't been acquired, or you don't necessarily feel great about Jared Stidham taking it over right now, C.J. Stroud would be the pick because he has the size, he yeah. has the prototypical dimensions and things that you want, and then with the intangible qualities, I think he is the guy.
1: Yeah, I think that would make a lot of sense. You know, certainly, and you look back in Josh McDaniels' past, had some pretty good quarterback play uh, from some guys that kind of fit that description that CJ Stroud is as a prospect and a you know big, tall, physical specimen in terms of quarterback can sit back in the pocket and pick you apart. Uh, certainly. So, all right, I'll give you an alternate scenario right let's say the quarterback situation gets worked out in a different way what's one thing you always got to do when you go get a quarterback you got to protect it and we feel good about colton miller over on the left side you know if you want to kind of continue to try to upgrade and get the best five out there what about the best offensive lineman in this draft and peter skaronski from northwestern guy who could slide who played a lot of life who played left tackle majority of his career there slide him over to right tackle Or you've got the flexibility, I think, with the way that he plays to be a day-one starter at guard, uh, either one. So I think that that kind of versatility gives you some real comfort. Like, all right, if we end up feeling good about what we throw out at right tackle, maybe we can use him at guard. If we feel better about guard, we can put him at right. Like, I just think that piece at seven, you want to talk about hitting doubles in the first round, Mm -hmm. that is a double off the wall every time.
0: That is a double off the wall, and I can't wait to see the debate between Skowronski and Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State, yeah. because both of those guys are high-end players. Even Broderick Johnson can, from, uh, from broader, Georgia, too. So so that, so that's the thing. And so when you, you we're bringing it back to the Raiders, the options that are available when you're picking in the top 10 at seven. Uh, whatever needs you want to address, they're blue-chip players that yeah. can help you get it done. And so this will be a fascinating uh, watch as we get closer to the draft and kind of see how the Raiders put the pieces of the puzzle together.
1: No question about it. And we're here with you every step of the way. So we're really excited about this journey and all that we're going to be able to provide you over the course of the next eight weeks, giving you top five positional breakdowns each week. We your quarterbacks today. We'll get into wideouts and edge rushers and offensive linemen the whole way. We'll have some sort of Mock draft element for you as well, just to kind of lay out the strategy that teams are going through as they try to plot out what might happen when we get to Kansas City. And then, of course, keep you uh, in line with everything that's going on, every major milestone across draft season. Of course, once we get through all-star season, which is happening right now, we'll get into the Combine next big event, which comes up uh, end of February, end of March. And uh, really excited for the possibilities to kind of further evaluate some of these prospects. So all that coming up here for you. Uh, Great to be a part of Raider Nation for this run. Uh, We appreciate you uh, being along for the ride. And we've got uh, a lot more coming your way. So stick with us right here on this Raiders NFL Draft Podcast. That's going to do it for Episode 1. For Bucky Brooks, I am Rhett Lewis. Thanks to our hardworking crew behind the glass. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Raiders NFL Draft Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the Raiders Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts.